0: There are a lot of high moments in our lives, a lot of moments where we might have and experience great joy, we might experience uh, a bliss of our lives which we don't want to end. We might experience this joy which um, actually is is a result of God's favor, of God's blessing. And in those moments, I think what we want to do is we want to just... Press pause. We want to press pause so that this moment can last forever. We want to record the moment so that we can relive it again, maybe in memories. We pull out our phones, we record. Or maybe we get somebody else to record and to mark this day for us. And I think part of this wanting to pause, wanting to press pause on the joy in those high moments of our lives, maybe it stems from a fear. It stems from a fear maybe that we know that this moment is not going to last forever. and We know that at some point we might have to return to the painful monotony of day-to-day life. Today we celebrate the feast of the transfiguration of our Lord. What is the Feast of the Transfiguration? It is the the time where Jesus, as we read in the Gospel, goes up on Mount Tabor, taking with Him Peter and James and John. And as they make it up to Mount Tabor, Jesus is transfigured. Uh, What uh, He looks like in a day-to-day basis, people don't see His divinity, they only see Jesus' humanity, just His plain uh, human uh, nature on display. But on Mount Tabor, Jesus' divinity was on full display. And his face shone like the sun, and his robes were as were, were white. And what happened there is Peter, James, and John saw Jesus with Elijah. And after seeing the glory and divinity of Jesus, they fell on their faces in awe after witnessing Jesus' full glory. Now notice what Peter does. Peter, his first reaction is after seeing the beauty and after seeing the amazing nature of Jesus on full display. What he wants to do is to click pause. He says, Lord, it is well that we're here. So what does he want to do? He scrambles around. He says, I can make a booth, meaning uh, an altar for Jesus. I can make an altar for Elijah, and I can make an altar for Moses. We can sit here, and we can worship, and this will be the best place. This is where we can just live and just rest here. Now, as great as it is, as just as Peter is speaking, God interrupts him. What does he say? He says these words: "Behold, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased." Do these words remember? remind you of a certain time? Do these words echo in your mind of the same time when Jesus rose from the waters of baptism? God the Father opens His mouth and He speaks those same words. Behold, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, it's interesting that Peter does this because right before Matthew 16, you know, Peter confesses that he says, Lord, you are the Christ and you are the Son of the living God. And he says these beautiful things about Jesus and he confesses it. And Peter says, you are the rock and on this rock I will build my church. And then moments later, Jesus announces something else. He announces his suffering and he announces his passion and his death and his resurrection. He says, it is necessary that the Christ should suffer in order to enter into His glory. So he gives details about how he's going to die, and how he's going to suffer, and how bad it's going to be. Peter, rising in the sense of injustice, says, you're the Christ. I know you're the Christ. I know you're the Savior. I know that you're the one who came to save us. How are you going to experience this bitter pain and suffering You don't deserve this. And so what Peter says, and he says, God forbid this happen to you. Jesus says some strong words against Peter. After Peter says those words that you shouldn't suffer, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. The same man whom he called rock because of his strong faith, he's now calling him Satan. Now, this is strong words, and we have to know that Jesus doesn't say the, the, these words for no reason. Jesus is saying these words to Peter because he knows that it's a, a God-given duty for Jesus to suffer so that he can enter into his glory. He knew that every human being exists and lives in pain and suffering and grief. And so the way to glory is now through suffering and through pain and so he transforms suffering to become something of a blessing and so for Peter to say you shouldn't suffer he's saying also without knowing maybe you shouldn't have the glory so what Jesus is teaching you and me today is that the glory that comes from God is through suffering and a lot of people in this world want the glory without the suffering they want the love without the responsibility and the commitment it comes with. All of us are destined for this glory with God. Every single one of us. By our baptism from the very moments we enter into the church, God showers us with blessing. He showers us with glory. And how is this sort of recognized and how is this symbolized? When you're baptized, you get a, a symbol of, of uh, royalty, which is the klila. When you're baptized, you have that ribbon or that cross that you're, that's put on your, on your arm as a sign that this person is royalty this person is, a, will be, is woven a sign of royalty in order for it to be woven into a crown on the day that they are resurrected with Jesus another time we, we receive this is, is when people experience and, and receive the sacrament of holy matrimony they get a crown not to just say oh, this is the king and queen of our night It's so that we could say, they receive this crown now, but as they walk this way of the cross of loving each other till death and suffering and caring each other throughout their life, they will be rewarded at the end of the finish line of life, this crown of glory with Jesus. In our baptism and in the wedding, this comes as a free gift because all you have to do is have a godparent to say yes for you And all you have to do on your wedding day is to spend a bunch of money and say yes and find somebody to say yes to. That's a free gift. And that's very easy in comparison to what happens, what is supposed to happen next. The khlila, the crown that we receive here is free. But the one we anticipate and we hope for, it does not come freely because that one comes with a price. And the price of our eternal heavenly crown is blood. And so many of us in the moments of those bliss, just like St. Peter, he's on the mountain. He says, it's so much better to be here on Mount Tabor. Because on a mountain, there's, no, there's a lot less people, which means a lot less drama, a lot less people you have to love, a lot, less, a lot less people you have to be patient with, a lot less temptation. But it's not ideal on the mountain because that's not where life is supposed to happen. That's not where the setting of life is supposed to happen. Jesus' life began, His salvation began when He descended Mount Tabor and He went up another mountain, Mount Golgotha, the place where He was crucified, the place where He laid down His life for those whom he loved. That is where glory is. And so many of us. We just want to spend our time on Mount Tabor. Escaping the pain. Escaping the hard moments. Escaping the hard conversations we know we have to have. Escaping maybe those people that we know we have to love. Escaping those moments of hard and unforeseen obstacles and Escaping, wanting to escape the pain of loneliness, wanting to escape the pain of suffering, whatever it might be, our joy is not there, our crown is not there, and when we replace and exchange our crowns of heaven for the crowns of this world, demons laugh at us, because they say, look at, you, what, look at what you exchanged this for, you exchanged this great eternal heavenly glory for so cheap a price. the path of glory and the crown of Christianity that Christ has laid out for us is not on pause on the mountain but it's through the suffering and the pain of our day to day life It is when we descend Mount Tabor and we ascend to Mount Golgotha but the beauty is is that yes when we're going through this we can always remember that the one who went through this first is the one who willingly entered into it when he disguised himself, his divinity by his humanity. And you know he does it in, even, in an even greater manner to now. Because being God and disguising, almost disguising yourself in a human body, that is a big descent. It's a big condescension, let's say. But Jesus goes even lower. He goes even lower than what it means from divinity to humanity. He goes from divinity to bread and wine for us so that He's not as intimidating. He's not as scary. He's not as fearful. And so this bread and this wine that we see on the altar will soon become and shine with the eyes of faith to become the body and blood of Jesus. His risen body and blood. He descends here so that we can ascend to Him. And that's only through the way of the cross that we can be crowned with Him in His heavenly bridal feast. Amen.